0: Hi filmmakers, Jason Brubaker here with Filmmaking Stuff, thanks a lot for stopping by and tuning in. Today we have a very special guest with us, his name is Peter Broderick, and for those of you who are new to filmmaking, you need to know this guy, and for those of you who are veterans, I sure hope you already know him. But Peter Broderick, he's the president of Paradigm Consulting, which helps filmmakers and media companies develop strategies to maximize distribution, audiences, and revenues. Hi Peter, thanks a lot for coming by.
1: Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, a lot of things have changed uh, in the filmmaking world, especially since the independent movement in the late 1990s, um, where a lot of us filmmakers thought we'd go out and make a movie, build buzz, and our futures would be set. What's happened?
1: Well, things have been changing, uh, you know, over the years. I think that uh, the idea of making my you know getting rich uh as a filmmaker uh, i i'm not sure that ever was a very real expectation or hope um that that could come true for for most filmmakers but i do think that a lot's happened in the last 10 years where in you know in the late 90s going to sundance and and hoping to make an overall deal where you gave all your rights to one company was the goal of of many filmmakers and these days people realize that making an overall deal is not necessarily plan a maybe that's plan b and plan a is splitting up the rights and working with different uh distributors and partners to get their movies into the world
0: there's a lot of changes that have been taking place in video on demand for example is that one of the rights that you would tell filmmakers to hold on to
1: well i mean i think they should um Basically, retain distribution, overall distribution control of their movie, and then partner with uh, different folks to uh, to get their film into the world. So you know, VOD is an, an important area uh, that has real potential. Um, just like DVD distribution, <clears throat> regular TV distribution, educational distribution, um, digital distribution, they're all they're all important channels for people. In addition to theatrical and semi-theatrical.
0: And is this what you would consider to be hybrid distribution where you retain some of your rights and then uh, give up some of the other rights and just try to figure out how to create revenue from each of the channels?
1: Yeah, the way I define hybrid distribution, I I made the term up, you know, a while back, is basically (laughs) instead of the alternatives being, you know, uh, giving all your rights to one company or self-distribution, um, I came up with the term hybrid distribution which means filmmakers um, make partnerships with distributors in different um, avenues of distribution and they retain the right to sell directly from their websites and at screenings. So uh, from their websites they might be selling DVDs or streams or downloads at screenings. Uh, you know, they could be selling DVDs or even CDs or their soundtrack.
0: And then from that perspective, you know, in, in this in this new paradigm, you would say that filmmakers would have to take over a large chunk of the marketing that used to be handled from outside uh, companies.
1: Well, I think I think the difference is that these days I think that the relationship of filmmakers to distributors should be seen as a kind of partnership, a win-win partnership. The old model was kind of like a master-slave relationship, where the filmmakers once they made the the deal didn't have any control, and if uh, the distributor would take their phone calls, in some cases, they were doing well, but all the key decisions <clears throat> were made by the distributor. These days, I think the model is a partnership model, and uh, you are working with your distributors. In terms of the marketing, it varies a great deal. Uh, if you're you know, doing a service deal for theatrical where essentially you're working with a booker or a service deal company to put your movie in movie theaters, then you're responsible for covering the cost of any advertising that you would do. I think filmmakers have figured out ways to do it more cost-effectively than the old model, which was, you know, just buy lots of newspaper ads, which I don't think necessarily are that effective anymore. Um, But they can, uh, filmmakers today can use the Internet to spread the word, which can be uh, <clears throat> very cost effective if it's targeted at specific core audiences. And I think that that's the way that filmmakers should be thinking um, to try to reach a general audience. I mean, that's something that Hollywood can do because they can buy an audience for the first weekend. But I think independents should really be doing much more targeted <clears throat> marketing, and in that, that can be much more cost effective in other areas tv for example if you make a tv sale then the channel is going to do whatever marketing they would do and that won't be any different whether it's you know part of an overall deal or not um likewise with dvd distribution so i think it's shared uh depending on on the area
0: and then in terms you know of how, how does this affect our business planning as filmmakers? In the past, we plan really just to get the money together, um, but now it seems like we really have to start incorporating some sort of marketing from day one.
1: I think that's right. What I say to filmmakers is the, the morning you dream up your next movie in the shower, that's the point at which you need to think, start thinking about audience. And um, not just thinking about audience, but actually doing things to start reaching that audience. So that could be um, creating some kind of preliminary video or trailer. Um, Maybe somebody does a a crowdfunding effort early through either Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Uh, They would have a website and a Facebook page, and they would start um, letting people know about the film,
0: (coughs) you know, building their
1: Mailing list and and their their network around the movie while they're in pre production, production, post production. Not wait until the movie's uh, done.
0: Uh, Do you think this sort of thing is going to lead filmmakers to make smaller movies, or do you think we can still sustain a budget where we can pay everybody their day rates?
1: Well, I think it's it's going to vary a lot. Um, (laughs) The question. I think for each project is what's the lowest budget that the movie can be made well for, and um, not what's the lowest budget it can be made for, or how much money would I like to make the movie, but um, you know what what really makes sense. Now you know there's some productions which are you know really guerrilla productions where nobody's getting paid. Um, there are other productions where you know everybody's getting paid something. Uh, not not necessarily, you know, a huge amount, but, but something. Um, and then there's, you know, kind of a third category where people are paid, um, you know, better. But I think that it, it really has to be seen in the context of a distribution strategy. If you make a film for $2 million, an independent feature, say a first feature that has no cast and crew that people are, you know, are really aware of to get two million dollars back through a conventional distribution deal or even through a hybrid distribution approach is very very tough um, and so I think people should be you know looking at budgets in relationship to what they think you know they can kind of reasonably expect in terms of distribution so let's say it's going to cost two million dollars to make the movie um, that's what you know, paying people and whatever it will cost, and you just don't see in this climate, um, you know, or get that two million dollars back. Then I think that's probably not a movie to make right now. So I think you need to, you need to be clear um, as to what what's possible down the road. If you make a film and you know all the investors lose money, um, then it's going to be a lot harder to find the money for your next film. Whereas if you make a film for Um, in a very cost-effective way, and some films can be made for lower budgets than others. So, you know, if you're making a historical epic with sword fighting and knights, that's going to be more expensive, and it's two two people, you know, in a couple locations, uh, you know, in in a contemporary story. So I think people need to choose projects in relationship to not only, you know, possibilities of distribution and core audiences, but in terms of looking at the costs, of, you know, really, really in a, in a clear way.
0: Uh, moving forward, where do you see everything going? Do you think everything's going to head towards a video on demand um, platform? Well, I
1: think it means it depends on how you define VOD. Um, and there's many definitions out there, as you know. Um, if we're talking about... <clears throat> VOD through your, your um, cable or um, satellite you know, provider, um, the, there's a lot of limitations that are built into that situation right now. There's lots of um, titles. Um, it's very hard to search if you don't have a title that begins a, a, with A, B, C, or D, or a number you know, you have a problem because people may not have the patience to scroll down further. Um, and and there's not a great – it's not a great place for documentaries right now. And I don't know. So there's, there's various limitations. A number of films that I've consulted on have done quite well with VOD. But then, you know, I think, you know, people need to be kind of realistic. If you talk about VOD to mean distribution <laughs> through the Internet, which someone – could actually, you know, get on their TV, not just on their computer. And as we have more DVD players um, and more TVs that are going to have, you know, full internet connections, then I think it's, you know, there's many more interesting possibilities because you could be on iTunes and you could be on Hulu and you can be on, I don't know, Amazon. But the you know, filmmakers could also make the movie um, available for download and, and streaming directly from their own websites. And at some point, um, you know, if we move into a situation where um, the Internet is, you know, fully available to people in their living rooms and in their bedrooms on on their television, then I think think that's going to be, you know, uh, really, you know, a great development for independent filmmakers. But, of course, the challenge will remain in terms of marketing. And then the question is how people can build some awareness for a title ahead of time. And I think if they're effective doing that so that when somebody has a chance to, you know, watch it through VOD, um, then it's meaningful that it's available. But if nobody's heard of the movie, nobody knows what the movie is, even if it is available through VOD, it isn't necessarily going to be meaningful in terms of revenue.
0: Yeah, so that just takes us back to to the idea that we really have to market this thing and find an audience from day one
1: yes and i think that people need to be very um clear about that and you know the old definitions of audience which you know were you know demographic definitions you know females between i don't know 15 and 24 <clears throat> i think those definitions are pretty meaningless these days and when people are thinking about core audiences they should be thinking about the way people are organized online because almost any community you can think of um, has websites and, you know, mailing lists and Facebook pages and, you know, Twitter feeds. And so break the audience into micro audiences. And the really exciting thing in terms of the developments, as you were, you were asking about since 1999, are the way that filmmakers can now reach uh, audience members directly and they don't have to go through gatekeepers and middlemen so if, if you can reach out to that audience uh, and start building awareness when it becomes available your film becomes available on VOD um, then you can capitalize on that
0: yeah the reason I brought up 1999 that was a that was a year that I uh, saved up an entire summer to buy an airy BL camera so I always use it as sort of the starting point to how things have changed non-discriminatory distribution that, that you're talking about without the gatekeeper Um, from my perspective, is one of the most exciting developments.
1: I agree, and I think that you'll see, Jason, that this will be true globally, not just nationally. And so if you can, you know, make your film available online, um, it doesn't matter if the person, the potential viewer, lives in a country where there is a distribution deal, Say France um, or Argentina, where there is no distribution deal that both those those folks would have access to the movie. The challenge then becomes how you market uh, you know nationally and how you market internationally but that's the that's the frontier that people really need to be exploring because if you've got a <clears throat> if you've got a film that you think is going to have international appeal then um, I there sh, there should be ways online to start um, you know, building that awareness that aren't aren't usually expensive or, or may even be free.
0: Well that and you can you can begin to sort of project things in terms of your uh you know, your projected sales. How big is your target audience? Now we're talking about an entire global footprint.
1: Right. And, and, and so football. let's just say, for example, you made a film, um I'll just make up a subject that had to do with uh motorcycle racing. Um, And you know that in, you know, many, many countries around the world, there's motorcycle racing fans in those countries. So even if you only, you know, got a couple hundred in France, you know, a couple hundred in England and 50 in Argentina, once you start adding those numbers up, you know, they can can get to critical mass uh, pretty quickly.
0: Let me ask you something. You, if There's quite a few filmmakers listening to this, and if we want to learn more about you know, some of these amazing things that are happening, where, where can we go? Do you have some upcoming uh, gigs, workshops? Engagement? Well, there's
1: two events that uh, I've been organizing that I'm really excited about. The first one is going to be November 13th. It's a Saturday in New York City at NYU. It's called Distribution U. And then we're also doing a West Coast version a week later November 20th at UCLA. And we did Distribution you last year for the first time at USC. And it was amazing. It's a, it's a panel-free event. We don't allow any panels because I don't think panels are the best way to, you know, ha- help people learn about these areas. Um, we have not only great uh, resource people that are going to be there, um, you know, to work with participants, but the participants, you know, have been... Um, you know, really knowledgeable and a a great part of the whole process. So it's much more interactive. (laughs) There's lots of breaks from networking. Our goal is for people to to meet other people that they can share resources and expertise with, um, you know, during the day and maybe uh, be planning to work together by the end of the day. Last year when we did it at USC, we started at 9 in the morning. Energy level was really high in the room. We had 200 people there. And um, Uh, the energy level was higher by the time we finished at 5.30 in the afternoon. Uh, So that was a sign that something was working. So if people are interested in either of those events, they can come to my website, which is www.peterbroderick.com. That's P-E-T-E-R for Peter. And then Broderick is B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K.com. And and if if people want to sign up with a teammate or, two teammates, there's uh, there's great discounts for two people or three people who sign up at the same time.
0: The other thing that
1: they could do, well, there's two other things. They could visit my website. Uh, there's a lot of articles and um, issues of the distribution bulletin there that they can read on different areas. And also, if they'd like to sign up to receive my distribution bulletin, um, which is free, every three or four months when something good happens in distribution, I, I send out a bulletin um, they're welcome to do that as well.
0: Well, great. I want to thank you for stopping by. This has been a really informative chat.
1: Well, thank you, Jason, and I uh, wish you luck with uh, your website and your your filmmaking and your and your VOD um,
0: strategies.
1: And uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye.